0: We're actually in a series called Unstuck, and yeah, it's been an amazing series that I believe is going to be a life message for me and this church, and uh, really just who we are is being defined and redefined uh, through this message, and really through the journey that God is taking me on, and that's what you're getting over the last four or five weeks. I mean, you always get it, but there's something special about this journey, because uh, there's it's a it's a shifting point. It's like man, it's it, there's a difference, and almost even a different direction uh, in the discovery of who God's called us to be. And really, this journey it's an interesting journey because uh, God really began to speak to me it was July 11th. Uh, I read my one year Bible every single day, and uh, on July 11th it was Acts chapter 28, which is what this whole series was birthed out of. We were still social distancing, so there was no gathering together. But what I realized was that the church was stuck, that people were stuck. Everybody I was talking to, whether you were having a good experience or a bad experience, like, like hey man, things have gone really well or things are going really bad, most people had an area in their life where they found themselves stuck. It was almost like it snuck up on us. You guys remember back in March... Uh, we all thought this was just going to last for a couple of weeks. At least I did. It's like, hey, we'll see you back in a couple of weeks. Woo! And then about five months later, right, we actually come back together. And not only has a few things changed, but our world has changed. The way we do life, there is no going back to the old normal. There is a new normal. But in that, we relax some of the things that we wouldn't have relaxed because we were almost like on vacation mode. Anybody, you know, vacation, you kind of relax your standards Uh, you you know, COVID caused us to relax some of the disciplines, relax some of the standards, relax, because on vacation, listen, I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. Come on vacation, I'm sleeping till 10. I'm going to eat a little bit of brunch or lunch, whatever you want to call it at that time. I'm going to go back, take a nap. I'm going to watch a couple of movies. I'm going to snuggle with my baby girl. And uh, then I may eat again and watch another movie. And someone says, where's the kids? I'm like, I don't know. And I don't care. As long as they're breathing. Why? Because we're on vacation. But you can't live that way. And so in the middle of that, what happens is you begin to build a new rhythm, a new pattern, a new lifestyle that just trickled in slightly. Because if it would have happened instantly, we'd all said, no, no, I, I'm not going to live that way. So is so, so what I mean. People stopped coming to church. And so we had to view church at our home. So we were watching it at the house. But how many know the first week you're all dressed up? I'm ready, pastor. You get in there, you're early, things are going well. But how many know about the fourth month? You're like, ah, oh, we're going to the beach. Ah, oh, we'll catch it while it's online. We'll catch it at another time. And, and so the standards of what we would have, ne- we would have never missed church. We would have never, and, and now we find ourselves becoming, that's becoming the new norm. And then what happens is you fall back into the old pattern, the old lifestyle, the old habits, the old stinking thinking, all the things that God delivered you from, you now find yourself back in. And then what happens is you're stuck. And here's the lie of the enemy He wants you to believe you're stranded. Now, being stuck is just a circumstance. It's like it's a condition of what's happened right now, but I can get out of it. Like, hey, you know, hey, I don't have a car right now, so Phyllis is going to get me later. I'm stuck right now, but I've got a way out. Stranded is hopeless. Like, you're at the airport, and they cancel all the flights, so it's it's hopeless. Like, they ain't bringing in another plane. Come on, somebody. I'm not getting there. Why? Because all options have been removed. And the enemy has lied to many of you and said, what has happened is not just a temporary moment. Now it is the rest of your life. You are hopeless. You are stranded. I mean, how many of you felt that? Like, my marriage is hopeless like there is no hope for my marriage there is no hope for my fine. and that's where the enemy has lied and this whole series was birthed out of look not only are you going to get unstuck but i feel like the lord speaking there's an, an extra part to it so here it is unstuck and unstoppable come on somebody that i'm about to shout and run all over this place like good Because it's not just about getting unstuck, but how do we make ourselves unstoppable that no matter what situation happens, that the enemy cannot stop what God wants to do, and I will not stop what God wants to do in my life. And so it's been this whole journey that we have been on, and last week we talked about sabotage from within. And so if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go and watch it on YouTube and iTunes, Uh, You can download it on the podcast, probably one of the most revealing messages that I've ever preached, and just the reality of the fact that most people sabotage their lives and don't even realize it. So God's trying to do the things that he's promised in his word. God is trying to help you become and live out the reality and the identity that he's given to you, but your subconscious is continuing to sabotage your life. And really the way we call that is it's your paradigm. Your paradigm. And I want, I want to just recap a little bit of it because it takes a layered approach. We've got to be exposed to it over and over again for us to really get it. But it is your paradigm, which is the subconscious programming that runs consistently and constantly in the back of your mind. And so we read a, a study that from... Uh, for the National Science Foundation that said we have anywhere from 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts in a day. I mean, that's a lot of thoughts. And yet if I were to ask you what you were thinking, most of you today already in the last couple of hours couldn't tell me probably six or seven thoughts that you've had, and yet you've already had thousands And so what we realize is that we have all of these thoughts, most of which are subconscious, so you're not even aware of it, and it is that subconscious programming that is actually directing and creating the life that you're living right now. And in that study, what was interesting is that 80% of your, in this study, 80% of the subconscious thoughts that you have are negative. Think about that. We're wishing for a positive life, but we're thinking negative thoughts. Like, God, I wish I could have victory. I wish I could have a better marriage. I wish my finances. No, no, it ain't about wishing. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So the thoughts that I think actually produce the life that I live. So let me put it to you this way. Whatever life you're living right now is because of the thoughts you thought yesterday and the day before that, and the day before that, and the day before that. And the study, what it found, which was so interesting, is that 95% of our thoughts are repetitive the same thoughts that we had yesterday. So we wonder why we're stuck because you're thinking the same thoughts that you thought yesterday that got you into the situation that you're in today. And here's the tragedy. You could be saved. God delivered you. God set you free and find yourself back into that old trap, the old life and still make it to heaven but live defeated here on this earth. And that's the challenge of what I believe COVID has really done is, is it's caused people to get out of their healthy environments and to slip back faster. Now, I think in the reality of it is that COVID has actually helped the church because I know for me, had it not been for COVID, I wouldn't have been on this journey. And I believe with all of my heart that what we're teaching, this whole series is going to set you free. It's going to set your family free. It's going to set generations free. And so with the enemy meant to destroy us, God is flipping the script and he's gonna use it to set us free like never before. Paradigms, the unseen subconscious thoughts or programming that run in the backgrounds of our mind. Now, paradigms have almost exclusive control over your habitual behavior. And what we understand is, about 95, up to 95 percent of your behavior is habitual. So let me explain. So what you eat, how many had to think about chewing and what you were going to go eat and food? And all? no, no, how many know. I know what I like. And I know right where it's at. I know that that bluebell, double dot, double Dutch chocolate ice cream, it is in that bottom freezer. Come on, and then I got this little container. I know I'm past this telling us I got this container. Zach, ain't that right?? I' got a container of hot fudge refrigerated in my refrigerator. I just, it's almost subconscious. Boom, grab the ice cream, psh, hot fudge. I don't even know what I'm doing. And before I know it, I'm eating a bowl of hot fudge sundae with chocolate, double touch ice cream. I didn't got to think about it. So it's subconscious. Think about this, your likes and dislikes, subconscious. Somebody didn't have to tell you what kind of car you like. You already know what kind of car you like. Like, 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 just talk about trucks, right, Pastor? You go get off trucks. Nope, I'm gonna stay on trucks. So for me, you know, in my subconscious, it's like I like Fords. And I thought about it. You know why I like Fords? Because when I was 16 years old, 17 years old, 18 years, old, there was a man named Joe Cato, and so he had a lawn business. And somewhere in my, my teenage years, late teenage years, I would go and cut grass with him on the weekend. And I don't forget. There was something we just He hated any other truck except the Ford truck. My dad didn't drive a truck. I didn't care about a truck. It didn't matter to me. But every time I'd get in that car, he'd say, oh, there's another Chevy. That's a terrible truck. And he'd say this. He said, look, any truck that has to put work truck on it tells you it ain't no work truck. Because when it's a work truck, that thing ain't got to say nothing. It just performs. So think about this. He would say that every time he saw a Chevy. Oh, that ain't no truck. Oh, that ain't no this. That ain't. So guess what? After continually working with him and being in the truck with him, after a while, what? I didn't even think about it, but subconsciously I'm being programmed. What I? Oh, I like Ford. 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 And so then, what, what happens? I go buy a Ford truck. So I'm being conditioned through exposure about an idea that's planted in my subconscious and I didn't even realize it. And that's what we understand is that really your subconscious is, is a place where ideas are planted. And so think about ideas. They're just planted into your subconscious. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, well ideas, things like this. You're smart. You're dumb. People like you. People don't like you. Oh, you can't trust men or you can't trust women or you can't trust God. Those are all ideas that begin to come into your life. And so if you don't recognize it and you don't fight against it, it's a seed that's planted into your subconscious. And before long, what happens is it becomes that programming that's running in the background of your mind and it begins to direct and establish your life that you live. And so what we have to understand is how do these ideas come into my mind? Well, there's, there's two ways. There's heightened emotional experiences. So something happens that is an emotionally charged event. And then the second thing is environmental conditioning, The environmental conditioning is what happens when we're little. So when you are born, you do not come pre-programmed. The environment that you live in begins to program you. So the same thing with Joe at the age of 17 or 18. We said four trucks are no good. Your family dynamic, whatever environment you were raised in, you were constantly exposed. Think about this. The food that you like is not because of your taste buds. It's because of your environment. Well, how come Chinese people like a certain food and Hispanics like a certain food and people in America like a certain food or this person? Why? It's, it's not your taste bud, it's your culture. And so, what is that? That's an environmental conditioning. And so, you're exposed to your politics is an environmental conditioning. So, you were probably raised in a house where they had one agreement towards this side or that side. And so, you just grew up and you didn't question. You're like, we are this. It's environmental, what is that? That's an idea that's planted into your heart. In fact, let me just pause. Every every person in here, you need to go vote. Let me just say it like that. People died for our right to vote and you have got to get out there and vote. And I wanna encourage you, vote your values. We're not voting for candidates. Candidates come and go, we vote for policies. Let me say that again. Candidates come and go, we vote for policies. And let me tell you this, your pastor votes for people that I don't even like. Why is that? Because their policy lives beyond them. And so you got to go in and say, what are the values? What is it that holds the Judeo-Christian values? And you got to go and vote. And I will tell you this, and I don't get into politics, but I will tell you the one that sticks for me that is a non-negotiable is the right to life. And so we have to vote values. So just go out and vote but here we are politics its environmental conditioning now let's go back to the heightened emotional experiences so as i'm growing up think about this your mom says you're you're just like your dad your dad was no good well that's that's an idea you're just like your dad you're you're a loser you're well if he was a liar you're if he was a cheater you're a cheater so all these ideas are built into your subconscious and here's what happens they say see i knew you would be just like him well what they don't realize is that whoever spoke that into your life programmed you to be exactly what they hated and so the power of the word creates an idea. And as a child, it's a seed that's playing. And as a child, listen to this, you have no ability to fight that programming because you don't know any better. That's why the Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go. We should train them up. We should be careful with the words we say. We ought to be careful with how we talk to them and what we help them to learn and educate. Like, learn this, but the Bible is true, not what everybody's opinion is. And so you got to train them up. What are you doing? The Bible's actually really referring to you're building their paradigm. You're building the subconscious programming that's going to direct their life. And isn't it interesting that it says when you train up a child, that when he is old, he will not depart why because that subconscious programming is leading them in the right direction and so you've trained them up even if they don't understand why it's powerful 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 which is why the devil wants to destroy families it's why the devil tries to take fathers out of homes because if you can take a father out of a home you can destroy the family nucleus it's an attack for the enemy And here's another attack, and this isn't in my notes, but here's another attack. We can't just allow everybody else to raise our kids. At some point, you got to get in there, and you've got to teach them the Bible. You've got to teach them how to pray. You've got to teach them the right and wrong and help establish them, because I get it. It's a little overwhelming. Go to school and learn. Go to church. Go to Sunday school. Go to your children's classroom, and they'll teach you. But at some point, God's going to hold you responsible for what your child learned as you're growing up. And it's not easy. We make mistakes all the time, but but we just have to keep trying. So let me go back to the second way that we have ideas that are planted into our subconscious mind, which is the programming that runs in the background of our mind. It's through a heightened emotional experience. Now, heightened emotional experiences... They, you can have good heightened emotional experiences. Those are experiences that are above the average of what you typically feel. A good one would be, I mean, I think I was 12 years old. I played little league and I hit a home run. The bases were loaded. I'll never forget. They had me back fourth and uh, fourth is cleanup. And so I always could hit really well, but but never had the chance to clean the bases. And so here we are, boom, I do it, home run, I get the game ball, it's amazing. From that moment on, there was a heightened emotion that I am really good at sports. And I always did good in sports. But there was a moment I felt like I'm a champion, I'm a champion, I'm a champion. It was was actually an an amazing, amazing moment in my life. Then you can have negative ones, an abuse, something happens. Last week I talked about abuse, sexual abuse trauma happens we call them you know these mat- these moments that are traumatic and trauma happens and for the rest of your life a moment of trauma will cause you a lifetime of pain because there was an idea that is planted inside of your heart and inside of your subconscious and then you believe That lie that was planted inside of your heart. And now as a Christian, when you have these heightened emotional experiences, the value of a small group is not just to go get busy, but it's to be healed. And why is that? Because when I have a heightened emotional experience, I got a small group of believers that come around me and recognize, hey, that was a traumatic moment for you. And the devil wants to sell me this lie. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. God doesn't care about you. Nobody loves you. And your small group comes around. Around you and says, hey, don't believe the lie of the devil. God does love you. He, we, we are for you. Don't quit. You've got this. You can make this. And and so they begin to help rewrite the idea that would otherwise go into your subconscious. So it's the value of, of, of a small group, which we, how many, I mean, we got a ton of them right now, Joel, that right? Yeah. So you guys, you want to get in a small group, go to the website, join a small group. It's amazing. Now I want to give you one more moment that I had as a teenager. So I had it a couple of weeks ago. So this journey is really fresh for me. This is something the Lord has been walking me through. and, And I really do believe that if you will lean in in this series, I promise your life will never be the same because my life's not been the same. And so two weeks ago, I had an event that came to my memory. So I'm working through it. Last week, I was telling you about some of the moments that I had, it was really open. My, one of my preschool teacher said that the way I wrote my, hand, my name wasn't good enough. And so I felt from that moment on, I, God brought it to my, I was praying that from that moment on, the idea that was planted in my mind was your best is not good enough. Listen, I was preschool. How many know the devil is Wicked. Well, I was praying just the other day and I told Phil, so the Lord really spoke to me. He said, go back to the place where you went fishing with Johnny, fishing with Johnny. So, so look, I'm, I'm a pretty, so let me say this with a caveat. I'm a pretty normal guy. And what I mean by that is like, you would look at my life and say, it's a pretty healthy family. My parents raised us in church. They're still together. I've never been sexually abused, vib- vis- uh, verbally abused, physically abused and so the society would say, well, you're pretty normal. It's like, and, and so, but I do want you to know we're all just a little jacked up. So I don't care how normal you are. You're not normal. And so this is what I wanted you to get in the emotional impact and a heightened experience is this, this is how wicked the devil is. So there was this time my mom let me go stay the night, didn't often let us go stay the night with people that didn't go to church. There's this guy's name's Johnny. I don't even remember his last name. I remember his face. And uh, his dad had a big white boat, and I'm like, praise God, I'll go fishing. Back then, I always loved, I wanted to go fishing and wanted to really, like, that was a big deal to me. My dad worked all the time, so nobody really took us fishing. And so this was an opportunity not only to go fishing, but to go fishing on a big, beautiful boat. So we stay Friday night. I go over to his house. Well, we're going to go out on the boat, but it starts raining. Well, I was raised in church. So your boy starts to... Pray, God, I don't need the sun to stand still. God, I just need the rain to stand still. Don't rain anymore. Because I'm staying the night. Johnny said, well, if it don't rain tomorrow, we'll go tomorrow. And so I'm like, God, if you love me. Come on, how many of you ever had that prayer? And I'm just 16, 15. No, I couldn't have been 16 because I wasn't driving. Probably about 15 years old. But I had heard that God answers your prayers. God loves you. So for some reason, this was a really big deal in my heart. And so I'm praying, I'm like, God, please, please don't let it rain. We get up the next morning, there's a ray of hope. Clouds are really dark, but it hadn't started raining. I'll never forget, and I didn't tell this to to the team the other day, but we're getting in the boat, getting all stuff, and the rain just comes and it starts pouring down. And what I didn't realize in that moment which God really exposed this last week, was that was the moment in my life. My hopes were up. I had this, like, God, please. That was the moment that I believed, if you don't care, you can never be disappointed. Like, if I don't give my hopes up, I can never be let down. And this was the moment, listen to me, men. Men, you listen to me. I have lived my entire life with very little emotion and sometimes my wife it's part of my personality i'm a three on the enneagram i'm a d on the disc but that doesn't excuse your void of emotion and so i felt like the lord spoke to this if you can't feel pain deeply you can not experience joy greatly and so you think you're protecting yourself from pain, but really you're limiting yourself from experiencing joy. And God began to speak to me, and that was the moment where I just shut down, and my emotions, I'm like, shh, I'll never ca-. Listen, I'll, an inner vow. I'll never care again. And I was angry with God. Because God, if you love me, they said that you would do something. And I prayed. I'm a pastor. And I just realized that this week. Interval. If I do not care, it doesn't matter. And so what happened? There's this idea. Now here's what I didn't even realize. I went back and was processing. After that day, I never did anything with Johnny again, and I never went back to his house. Subconsciously, Going back there would have been too painful. But I didn't know that. How many events have you had in your life where the devil has told you a lie just like that? So then let me just show how this plays out. Here we are. I'm a pastor. I've never been on the journey that I'm on right now. COVID took me on this journey. And I'm telling so you, we're never going to be the same because of it. But I realized what happened was this last year in December, we had the opportunity to buy a building. Remember, God's like, hey, that's your property. I stood up here. I'm like, man, that's our property. We just, if you're brand new, we just bought the old tractor supply property in April. It was amazing. Well, the paradigm of God will always let you down. So that's the thing, because he won't do the impact. He'll do it for everybody else, but not for you. He doesn't care enough. So then it's like, well, I just, here's the, oh, here was the other thing that I, that I learned too. That was the moment I took control of my life. From that moment on, control gripped me. I will control anything and everything that's within my power to control. Why? Because God doesn't care. I'm telling you, this will set you free. So then what happens is, and I'm telling you, last year, 2019. So, hey, you're supposed to get this building. We believe that's our building. And you remember what I prayed? I said, God, God, is that what we're really supposed to do? What I was saying is, God, God, do you really care? God, God, can you really do what you, like I think you can make it stop raining, but God subconsciously, like you didn't do it then, and I'm not sure you're going to do it now. Because see, I'd never seen a miracle like that. Now we launched this church, we never raised a million dollars. The most we'd ever seen is 150000 And even the Dream Center was awesome. But the reality is, as a church, we live on the 90% principle. So that means we don't make our budget more than last year's income. And we always have at least 10% margin. So when we bought the Dream Center, we just did it with cash. The down payment and all that. We, we, did, we borrowed some other money. But we didn't have to do a big building campaign or anything. So this is how it all plays out. So then what did God do to change that broken paradigm, that dysfunctional paradigm, that negative paradigm. He gave us Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord. Is there anything impossible for me? So subconsciously, it's impossible. And then God takes me on this journey. He's like, no, baby, it's not impossible. I'm the God of the impossible. And so not even realizing it, what was God doing? He was breaking a paradigm that would have sabotaged our brand new campus. So here's what I'm saying, it's amazing because God does have those moments where he can break through like that, but wouldn't it be awesome if I didn't always have to wait for that one big thing? What if I could identify them and just start plugging in the solution because God's given me tools to identify the thing that's sabotaging my life? And that's where this whole journey has really evolved into, and we've been studying Acts chapter 27 and 28, and it's the story of Paul. He's shipwrecked, and the journey is how does Paul get stranded on the sea? He's out there for 14 days, doesn't eat, gets shipwrecked, gets, you know, he's cold, he's tired, he gets bitten by a snake, it's a viper, so it should have killed him. And then he turns all of that around, and not only Does it turn around? But we see revival where there shouldn't be revival. And then the Bible said in Acts 28 verse 10, when they were ready, the people brought provision, which I love because the ones who were hating on him actually provided for his next season. Don't be surprised when the haters provide for your next season. So they did that, and so the whole question has been, how has he been able to do it? Well, we know it was his paradigm. I talked about it last week, right? So uh, we know he wrote about it, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern, the old paradigm of this world, but be transformed. That word right there in the Greek is metamorphosis, by the renewing of your mind. Now, renewing actually means remodel, reconstruction. So you think about it, if you've ever done a remodel or or a construction project where you're going in and taking something old and making it fresh and new, you actually have to go and do some demo. You got to knock some things out. And some of you are mad at God because COVID has, you felt like, destroyed some things in your life. And I would tell you this. It's not the devil who's going to get the last word. It's God because God allowed the devil to go in and do some demolition so God could come back in and rebuild. And it's okay. just, Just say, all right, devil, I got you. It's all good. I know my God is a turnaround God. So a remodel and a reconstruction. And so we see this amazing thing happen. And if you've never studied it, which I actually, it's something that is new to me. I didn't realize. But Paul, from the time he was converted from Saul to Paul, he had the Damascus encounter with Jesus. It's actually 14 years until he goes on his first missionary journey. Well, what was God doing there? God was reprogramming his paradigm. God was changing the way he thinks. God had to take him from Saul the murderer to Paul the apostle. And those have two totally different mindsets, right? I mean, Saul, the murderer, the persecutor, the, the one that's going to go and put judgment on people and, and make this religious mark and be someone that climbs up the religious ladder. How I many know that's a paradigm? And then God had to say, okay, that's your old paradigm, but, but now you're, you're Paul and you're an apostle and you're going to walk in love and you're going to lay your life down and you're not going to judge people, you're going to love people and you're going to go out and win the very people that would try to kill you. How do you do that? It's a paradigm. And here's the thing that I, I realized my whole life, I've quoted Romans twelve two. Look, I'm not gonna be conformed to the pattern of this world. I'm gonna be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That's how I say it in my mind, right? Since I was 12, it's in my journal that's over 20 years old, I would say that scripture. But what I realized is yes, that is good, and, and last week I promised you we were going to talk about how to discover your paradigms, but I'm sorry, I can't do that because God corrected me because if we go to establishing your wrong paradigms, it's incomplete. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, because first we have to discover who we are. So what do you mean, Pastor? We got to discover our identity. How can I discover what's wrong if I don't know what's Right. And so I I began to, the, the reason why for me, my next step was paradigm is because God gave me my mission and purpose statement 17 years ago and I didn't even realize all of this until last week. So my next step is, Hey, let's go get the paradigms. But 17 years ago, God told me I'm a general organizing the greatest spiritual revolution the world has ever seen, walking intimately with God, relaxed and fully confident that I cannot fail, moving in his supernatural power and authority, bringing heaven to earth. That's what God spoke to me 17 years ago, right after I was saved in 2003 i lost the business. All my properties were in foreclosure. Cars were being repossessed. My mom sends me to this dimensional journey weekend where we go and find ourselves. I'm like, I hate God. I hate people. I'm disappointed. I feel hopeless. Everything, is, it looks like there's no hope. And I didn't do anything wrong. She's like, you gotta go. I'm like, I don't wanna go. She's like, you gotta go. And so we go and I'm like, all right, whatever. So I go into this weekend and one of the things they helped you do, they said, listen, who are you? And I'm like, I'm a failure. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. No, 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 no. No, no. Who are you? Well, you know, I said, I'm a, I'm a business owner. No, no, no. I sw- That's what you do, like, like your business is what, like, who are you? And through just a series of questions, that's where that mission statement came from. And I'll never forget, we were writing it down and, and I've learned to journal unfiltered. Mom taught me that a long time ago. So I knew to do that. Don't, don't question, just filter, don't filter, just write it. So I write it and then I get ready. Steve's standing behind me and I said, I think he said, let me see. So he reads it and he's like, that's you. And I'm like, no, it's not. He's like, that's you. (laughs) No. Steve's been my greatest like support my whole life. And had he not said that, I would have disqualified. So then here's what's even crazier. We had to stand up and say it in front of everybody. I'm like, I'm not even in ministry. Like, I don't want ministry. I don't even know what you're talking about. But what I understood or didn't understand then but understand now is that who you are transcends what you do. There are so many people that find your identity in what you do. That is a result of who you are. And because you don't know who you are, you will never find fulfillment. You will always vacillate from this to that because you allow people to tell you who you are. So people who meet you define you by how they meet you. But God, he defines you by how he made you. And so for me, I'm like, my next thing's paradigm. But what I realized was, now there's a lot of people, you don't know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, you cannot fight what you're not. Have you ever heard about how they find counterfeit money? It's a very interesting process. I would have thought they'd go find all the counterfeit bills and you study the counterfeit. That's not how you find counterfeit money. People whose job it is to get counterfeit out of circulation, they study money so much the way it smells the way it feels the way it looks they, they've gotten so intimately acquainted with like, like I, I know everything about money when it's not the real thing they know it so they know the real thing so well it's like oh this ain't it man how, well how do you know well because I've, I've studied the real thing so long and here's what's interesting people who don't study counterfeit money they receive counterfeit money all the time Why? Because they don't don't know any different. It all looks the same. And I wonder how many Christians are living counterfeit lives. And it's just being passed off as the real thing. And that's that's where I felt like the Lord said, this message is going to set people free. You've been living a counterfeit life. But it looks good. Smells good. Feels good. But yet... I'm missing something. I, I don't know what it is, but but i miss. missing. And, and here's the truth. You and God know what the original is. But I will tell you this. Someone who has uncovered their identity, there is something. It's like something's off. And what I've understood is this. You can know if you if you're living a counterfeit life, if your value is found in what you do. See, because when you're the original, see, see, Counterfeit money has value when it's been passed off as the real thing. But the moment it's exposed, there's no value. So the moment I know what I am, I don't need you to tell me my value. I don't need you to give me kudos or affirmation or say, you're so good. I don't need that. And it's been interesting. I didn't even realize this. That's why I told mom. I said, it's so interesting. I'm doing a lot of writing. I said, I'm not a psychologist. I said, but what I realized is I've lived this thing. This has been my life message. So that's why when I was, you know, broke and about to go bankrupt, here's the whole thing. I never filed bankruptcy. Not because I don't agree that you can and you should, but you know I didn't file bankruptcy because generals don't file bankruptcy. Generals blaze through. Generals are like, no, 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 I got this. This is just another bank. It took me 10 years to pay off all the debt, but generals don't file bankruptcy oh yeah I know you're, you're, Yeah, it took me a long time but guess what this general made it and guess what I've learned how to steward money and guess what I've learned on the other side the devil is defeated even if it takes time God will bless me through the entire process why because I'm a general I was at team mania up there I never forget went, went up there and I knew I had a call to speak and God had called me to speak and my boss said you will never speak well most people get offended why because your value is in what you think you should be doing and I never forget, I sat there and I thought, well, okay, you're missing out on this. You know what my job was? My job was to write. You know the one thing I hated to do? That's exactly it. Oh no, I'm an auditory process. Don't make me write that thing down. And then it wasn't even, check out, it wasn't even like good books, it was manuals. Good Lord. Processes but you know what I thought? Generals communicate and they don't have to talk to communicate. And so every manual I wrote, I wrote like a general. I'm just going to write because I'm training an army. I may not say it, but I'm going to write it. And so guess what? Nine months later, her boss, even though she said, you're never going to speak. He came in, said, I want Jim to do a session. I'm going to be out of town. Have him do my session. She said, Oh no, 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 no. he can't do it. She said, and her boss said, Oh no, 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 he can. And he will let him do my session. So I get ready, and I'm like, Gah! you know, I practice 20 hours. I'm preaching as if there's thousands. There's only going to be like 30 people there, 50 people. <laughs> hey, we go all in. Practice, 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 doing my stories, trying to make those punch lines. And when I get there, my boss, her boss, my ultimate boss, isn't gone. He's in the back of the room. I'm like, I thought you were leaving. He said, no, 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 no. I just wanted to see how well you do. I delivered it, and from that moment on, I became the spokesperson for the entire ministry of Global Expeditions. Here's my point. If you don't know who you are, you would have been offended and left because they didn't value you. Listen, ain't nobody gives you value. God gives you value. I don't care what I do. My doing doesn't produce the value. Some of you are trying to get value from it. No, no, baby. No, I'm here. That's why you're being blessed. I came over here, Pastor Randy, over at Triumph Church. We were raised under the church, and I'm here the executive pastor. Well, you know what? We, we had, I was the only employee. We had a 50,000-square-foot building. So guess what? I was the janitor. I was the janitor. I was the janitor. Come on, somebody, with a title. I'd out there mopping floors. Well, why would you do it? Well, I did it like a general would do it. And then guess what? Generals grab people, so I got mama. Mama, come help me grab some of these chairs and stack them. The whole Kyle's family. We were just an army out there. And we were building teams. Why? Because that's what generals do. I didn't care. I was never too good to do a job. I just did it like who I was. And so it's like, oh, it don't matter. Somebody said, well, you better than that. No, baby. God's got me here. I'm in the field like David. I'm learning how to play this harp. I'm learning how to kill the lion and the bear because I didn't know it then, but God would set me in front of a giant. And had I not killed the lion, had I not killed the bear, I would not be in a position to slay the giant. And the challenge is, some of you, you want to bypass the process, you want your value in what you do, so you want to go to the top, but you don't have the character that would keep you there, even if God put you there. And that's the challenge of a church that doesn't know your identity. Why? Because everyone else is going to tell you. And I thought about it like this, how do I know if I don't know my identity? Because this is the process. Someone says, well, you know, I'm doing some writing and things, they say, how do you know if it works? Well, if it works for my church, it'll work for the world. Like you guys are the greenhouse, congratulations. You're the testing lab. And so I thought about this. They've got a picture of a motorbike. When, let me just say it first before you throw the picture up. So a motorbike is a personalized vehicle, right? A motorbike. Anybody know what a motorbike is? It's like those little scooters that you ride. I always think the guy wearing the hat, you got it, it's cool. Personalized vehicle, it's only meant to have at max two people, right? Two people. So that's what it was designed for. But I mean, all over, people use those things for things they weren't designed for. So here's an example of one. Show, Show them the picture of... So a motor scooter is not a van. A van is what you would use to transport five grown men, right? So... Are they using it? Yes. Are they using it according to its design? No. Okay. Show them the next one. So, so motorbikes were not intended to be trucks or trailers. <laughs> Some of you laughing because that's, that's your relative. <laughs> Just <laughs> That's the way we think. Load them up. Load them up. Load them up. So is it working? Uh, But here's what I know. Eventually, it will break down under the weight of a load it was never intended to carry. So how does that apply to me? When you don't know your design, your identity, you will always carry weight you were never intended to carry. So here's how I believe it sets the church free. You got people. Now, I'm talking to Christians now because the world's weight is just the same, but there's no way you could carry it, which is where salvation comes. But now God's got an identity. He wants you to carry weight, but you picked up too much weight. And it's under the guise of, they need me. They need me. Well, the truth is, you're actually sabotaging the church because you're picking up what someone else should be picking up, but is not because you're trying to find value and significance in what you're doing. Listen, if you're a motorbike, be the best motorbike you can be. I mean, right, if you're a bus, be the best bus that you can be. If you're a van, be the best van. that you. If you're a truck, and I'm using that analogy based on this, but think about it. The body of Christ is a body. It's what it talks about. Where You got arms, you got legs, you got ears, and you got some people, look, you're an ear trying to carry the weight of a leg because it looks great to be a leg. A leg carries so much. Listen, an ear should never carry the weight of a leg. Why? Because it will crush it. But that ear has great value because if that ear doesn't hear, those legs will never move to the right place. They got to be able to hear the instruction. And so we've got to stop saying this person or this position has greater value. See, when you know yourself and who you are, you're not out there looking for affirmation. You're not out there getting kudos. You say, this is my lane and I'm going to do the best thing I can in this lane to do what God's called me to do. I don't have to do anything else and it'll set you free. And it's an amazing thing when you under, understand this. It's like, man, I just, I just got to be the best me. It, it has set me free. It's my identity. It's who God's called me to be. And so I wanted to just help you with this. Let me give you five things to help you uncover your identity. I know it said five. I promise you I'll have them in five minutes. It's super simple. Five things. But what I didn't want to do was talk to you about this and not give you a way to do some homework this week. So how do I uncover my identity? And so I just took the process of what I, how I uncovered it 17 years ago, and then I, I found the scriptures that really brought this to light. The first thing is this, you got to establish or reestablish your connection with God. Some of you, you've lost service with God. It's like, hey, I'm here, but we're not really connected. You're not praying, you're not spending time with God, you know, so it's like you, you love God, but really you feel what I would say is disconnected. Well, you got to reestablish that. Why? Because you'll never find your true identity apart from the one who made you. Why? He made you. Some of you don't have a connection with God at all, so you have to establish a connection. You have to have a salvation experience. There's got to be a surrender. It's like, God, I want to have a moment with you, and in that moment, I'm going to surrender my life, and we call it salvation. Confess you as Lord. You'll have an opportunity a little bit later in just a moment, if that's you. Second thing is you got to create the right environment. So, if you're trying to discover your identity, like God, like what's my identity, you gotta find a place with no distractions. Turn off your electronic devices and get to a place where you are distraction free. Don't go into a place trying to figure out your identity and then have your cell phone there because as soon as you do, how many know the enemy's gonna have that boyfriend or girlfriend that you you was hoping they'd call you? They ain't called you in the years. You know, that mentor, that person that you value so much, whoever it is, it's the one moment. Why? Because he will do everything to stop you. Because here it is. That's the unstoppable. See, we don't just want to be unstuck. We want to be unstoppable. Third thing, you got to quiet your soul. It's not real complex, but it is absolutely true. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. Clear your thoughts. You got to get your emotions in check. And then your will, I am going to sit here until the Lord speaks to me. So I can't control my emotions. Actually, you really can, and your mind, and that's why your soul, you have to quiet. In fact, Psalm 46.10 says, be still. What's he talking about? He's talking about your soul. Be still. And what? And know that I'm God. So you could be physically still, but you're not still on the inside. So you got to be still. Fourth thing is you got to posture your heart. Now, I'm, this is something you may not have thought about, but you to posture your heart, you should start with repentance. What do you mean? Because you've been running your life after he saved you the way you wanted or didn't want but didn't know it's what you were telling yourself. How I many know there's sins of commission and sins of omission? I didn't do what I should have. So you gotta just take responsibility. Like, at it, some level... I'm responsible, and God, I, I ask you to forgive me. Psalm 51, 17, this is the prayer of David. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. See, you've been stuck so long, you're ready to get out of this counterfeit life. Your spirit is ready. It's like there's a brokenness. And so, God, you're not going to reject a broken, and listen to what it says, repentant heart. God I repent God I give it all I just so you have to it's a posture because here's the deal when God speaks to you if you're not in a position of humility you will fight what he says whether it's because you don't feel good enough or the lies of it whatever it is you'll fight it because you're in a posture of I know better you with me so your posture matters and then here's the fifth and last thing fifth and last thing you gotta ask the question who am I I know it sounds really easy, but it's not an easy question to answer. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Write down whatever the Holy Spirit brings to you with no filters. Because the first thing he's going to say, we, we talked about this last night. We've started a lab. Uh, you know how in school, like in college, we had a, was it geology? You go and learn about the rocks, the stalactites and stalagmites. And then you go and get into the lab, the lab and he shows you the stalactites and the stalagmites. Well, we started a lab last week. I really felt the Holy Spirit just say, hey, this. let's just start a lab. And so Saturdays at 4 o'clock at the Dream Center, if you want to join us, feel free to come over there and join us. Um, we ask questions, do some things. We do a moment of worship and powerful, powerful moment. But in that moment, what what I'm trying to teach them is... Don't filter anything the Lord says, so make sure you're you're, uh, writing it down unfiltered. But the other thing is, I was talking to someone and they said, yeah, but that dream just seems impossible. Like, that's too big. Well, remember what Ephesians 3.20 says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask, dream, or imagine. And so if it's bigger than you could even imagine, it's probably right on track with God. The devil has limited you and said, but you you remember where you came from? You remember, do you remember what you did last night? You you remember the mistakes you made? So that's why I say it's got to be unfiltered. It's it's not as easy as it seems, but what we got to do is you don't have to get to the bullseye right in this moment. Some of you will, but what we do have to do is we have to get down to the layers. So I, so I am. So what do you mean? I am. And I I don't want you to get mistaken by mine saying I'm a general. I almost didn't even say it to you because you say, well, that's too big. But that's just mine. Yours will be just as big as well. The problem is you're valuing your significance based on judging someone else. You have just as much significance. And though others may value it, God values it all just the same. That's the beauty of a body. Like, could you imagine not valuing an ear? Oh, yeah, you just cut that ear off. It's all good. It's not as important as them legs. No, no, no. Are you kidding? I want my ears. Oh, you going not have my fingernails. No, you can't even have my fingernails. Come on, somebody. Fungus, you cannot have my toenails. Come on, somebody. You fight for that toenail. <laughs> That's an old people problem. Not that I'm old. I'm just saying. Come on, somebody. Why? Because it's just as valuable. It may not be as visible, but it's just as valuable. So don't allow the enemy to lie about your value, your value, your value. Everybody getting this? It's good. I know I'm not preaching as much, but I need you to get this. And so, uh, purpose statement. Who am I? Here's another thing I want you to do. Now, this had, now that, that was it. That was the five steps. There's probably going to be more. God will reveal them to us. It's going to be awesome. we am going to be set free. Woo! It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. Second thing is, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Anchor Ben TX, the YouTube channel. Anchor Ben TX. We're putting affirmations on there. 30-minute affirmations. And so the affirmations, I think right now, Vanessa's got the serenity prayers up there. I think there's, I forget which, which one. did huh? Levity of heart. I felt like the Lord told me to really begin to affirm joy. Yeah. Levity of heart. Some of you, you're, we're, let me say, we're, is that how you say it? Texas? We're. I'm right there. We're too uptight. Like you walk into a room and you suck all the joy out. You know what I mean? It's like, I got to get, and so I just felt like the Lord, in fact, my staff, the last couple of weeks, they're like, what has gotten into pasta? Levity of heart, how we're supposed to be. And so you go in there and you just, there's an affirmation that talks about levity of heart, that everywhere I go, I have presence. There's joy. People laugh. And so we we affirm it. So here's what happens. Why would you do that? Because remember, remember this, your subconscious has changed in two ways, heightened emotional impact. And I believe that happens in church. It's kind of like that moment I had, or it is that moment I have, Jeremiah 32, 27. It's the moment you have here sitting in church. God speaks to you, and it's like the most powerful thing. But can we make it happen all the time? It is. It's when we control the, the repetition of exposure in our environment. So an affirmation puts it in my subconscious. I've actually been walking around with my AirPods in it and just walking. I'm in the grocery store. I got one AirPod. You think I'm, I'm listening to Rascal Flatts or some craziness. I'm listening to an affirmation that is reprogramming my subconscious and here's what's amazing your subconscious has no ability to reject what's put into it and your subconscious has no ability to realize if it's real or not what you tell it it imagines as reality right now so even though i'm not that my subconscious says oh you are that and then guess what i am now telling my subconscious what i already am and if i'm already that that means i respond as i already am as it's and so i've been just so it's that's what the affirmations do they just you got to reprogram it's exposure 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 and so we're going to put i think we have 17 of them we're going to put them up on there so i just want to encourage you to go and listen to them and then come back next week uh we're going to discover now next week we're going to discover how do you uncover your paradigms and then begin to reprogram those paradigms in your life amen let me just pray over us father we thank you for what you're doing God, move in a supernatural way like never before. God, you're teaching us. You're training us. And God, this is a message that I'm asking you to put into the depths of our soul, God, into our hearts like never before. That we're never going to be the same. That, God, you're helping us to reprogram and to shift the ideas that the enemy put in, just like fishing with Johnny. What a lie that could have sabotaged the destiny of this church, the destiny of my life. But you were so good, you exposed the lie. And Father, I just, I pray right now, and let me just tell you, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, I sense this. Somebody like, well, where do I start? I I felt like I heard that. Where does that seem too big? Like, I got to go find a lie? No, this is what happened to me two weeks ago. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go back to Johnny and fishing it was funny, two weeks ago, I'm like, that is so dumb. I've got other really traumatic events that have happened in my life. Like my life has not been a bed of roses. And I'm like, don't I need to deal with this? And don't I need to deal with that? I've been in counseling, I get all that. The Holy Spirit, go back to Johnny. And this week, through the help of a friend, we spent an hour processing what happened at Johnny. And the Lord just began to peel back the layers of lies. And so you're looking for, just start with one or two or three or four. That's how I started. I just said, okay, I remember this and I remember that. And here's what happened. I didn't even remember the details of what happened at Johnny's house until I spent the time to just begin to process that event. And that's what God's going to do. And listen, I want to speak to the men of this house. Can I just speak to you? You are a champion. You're an overcomer. You are powerful. You are whole. Some of you, I'm broken. No, you ain't broken. You were saved. Wholeness came into your life. I'm dysfunctional. I'm, I, you know, I'm just like my father. Well, if your father was God, you're exactly Right. Oh, I am just like my dad. Because your mom's are, you, you know said, so you're just like your dad, but it's the earthly. No, no, I am just like my dad. And I need you to be the man that God's called you to be. You're waiting on your wife to lead you, and God's waiting on you to lead her. There's a stat that says, if you will capture the father, I think it was, Owen, oh, was it 80, 90% of the, 80 or 90% of the family will come to church. If you capture the mom, 20 to 30 percent. Think about the warfare that has been waged against men. Emasculated like did little foo-foo and all that. No, what happened is you were just like me. We shut our emotions down. I'm not gonna feel anymore. And it it makes you uncomfortable to come into a service like this and let God touch your emotions. Because real men don't cry. I was thinking about that. Men, look at me. You open your eyes because I feel the power of God moving this. Listen, I have cried probably three times in my life since that moment, except when I was on this stage. Sometimes you're like, oh, pastor's always crying. Ask Phyllis how many times I've cried. We've been married for more than 20 years. But under the power of God, what's happening? I'm feeling something that I refuse to let myself feel outside of an anointed moment. God spoke to me. That's that whole deal. If you can't feel the depth of pain, you'll never experience the greatness of joy. So we've been walking through life and check it out, man. God, God has been trying to help you experience the joy. Like you, you just, that's who I am. No, 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 no. David was so crazy. I think he was in tune with this. He's dancing so much. His clothes are off. Like, like if that was us, we would say there's something funny about that dude. That's why, because my emotions, I'm like, how could anybody ever get that emotional? So I want you to know that the devil has robbed the joy that God has tried tried to bring in your life, all because of a lie that men aren't emotional. Whatever lie was put into your heart. And I'm telling you, God's going to restore this in a way that you've never seen. See about this, listen to what the Bible says. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So think about this, men, the devil has robbed you of the very strength God has been trying to provide for you. And so that's why your wife seems a little spiritually, more spiritually strong than you. Oh, well, my baby, she's the, spirit, she's the spiritual leader of the house. Well, that's because the enemy stole your joy and you don't have the strength to stand up and be the man that God's called you to be. It's a lie. Because if you'll come alive, oh, your wife will have to try to keep up. You wanna talk about change the world? You change that man, you'll change the world. Why? Because that's then in order. See, we've been trying to change the world, but, but our houses aren't in order. So we got to go after the men. Listen, men, today's your day. I'm telling you, God's gonna release a spirit of joy. You're gonna be able to experience emotions. Don't be surprised. You know, how many of you hate, I hate Hallmark Channel. Why? Because I don't want to have a tear in my eye. <laughs> You like that V, <laughs> right? So this why you want to watch it. It's Not because it wouldn't touch it. You know, it's like ah, so like, no, I don't want to get emotional. I want to be unlocked, and I don't want to look like a weak man. Look, strong men cry. Strong men dance. Come on, Phyllis. I know you saying Amen right there. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so I just feel a real moment right there. If you if you're if that resonates with you, in fact, everybody just, maybe you could just bow your head and close your eyes. I feel the power of God about to do something. And you're watching online. Everybody just close your eyes and bow your head. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something bold right now. Nobody's looking. If that's you, would you just be bold enough to stand up? If you're at the house, be bold enough to stand up. I know it's a bold move, but it's a new day. This is me. I feel there's something in me that the enemy has tried to hold back and I'm ready. This is what, I'm ready to experience the fullness of what God has for me. The joy of the Lord being my strength. And I can hear some of you like, well, that means I'm, my wife is leading this house. No, what that means is you're ready to be stronger than you are right now. I want to be stronger. I want to be stronger. There's a couple more. I know that. Just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to wait a second for you. See, right now what's happened is your subconscious mind is sabotaging the moment. Ah, oh, no, you, just sit down, sit down, sit down. Ain't nobody even looking. Just stand up boldly. One, two, three. Stand up. Stand up. That's all right. There you go. I see you. Man, we're about to, we're about to lead this thing. That's not every man. I realize there are a lot of men in touch with all that, but there are men in this place. Your life's about to change right now. Do I have to stand up? Well, there's something to it. Father, I pray right now over every man standing up. Every person that's watching online, this is a divine moment. God, there's just in this moment, I sense there's an awakening that the devil has tried to steal, kill, and destroy. But from this moment on, God, I pray right now the releasing of your anointing to destroy the yoke of the enemy. That God in this moment, revelation falls on good soil. The work begins. This isn't the end all. This is the beginning. And Father, I pray right now for men in this church. Now I want everybody just to pray about that right now. We call it in men. Father, I call in men to this house men into this place, men that would say, God, I am hungry. I'm tired of living a counterfeit life. Everything I've done has been unfulfilling. There's no joy. I feel hopeless. I'm just on this treadmill of life. And God, I pray that those men in this moment, they would be set free. And God, the ones that are not here yet, God, we're going to go after the one. We're going to go after the one. God, those that don't even realize that their life, they sense, it but they've never understood it God I pray for revival among the men in this house in this region in this nation and in this world and God I thank you for what you're doing in Jesus name amen well everybody stand up just for me real quick come on celebrate God stand up we're done we're done Father I thank you seal the word that's been spoken move supernaturally God, I thank you for salvation in this moment. Some of you right now, you're watching or you're here and you don't have the connection with God. You don't have a relationship with him. I want to take just a second. I want to lead you in a prayer of surrender. If that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but you say, that's me, I don't have a relationship with God. This is your moment to connect with God. This is your moment to surrender your life. You've been filling it the whole service, but this moment is for you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, you say, Pastor, I'm ready right now to surrender. Would you just raise your hand just as an act of surrender? That's me. I'm ready to surrender my life. Ready to pray this prayer. I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to connect to God. Some of you, maybe it's a reconnect. Come on. Yes, 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 yes. Come on. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I surrender everything to you. I give my life to you. Forgive me of my past. Wash away my sins. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. I give you everything right now in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Come on, worship God. We love you, Father. We love you.